please stand if you are able and join me in the call to worship. We have come to affirm our historic faith. We have come to remember God's benefits to us, the living. We have come to affirm our trust in the God of all futures.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church on this Sunday, which we celebrate and the, as All Saints Day. And after that hymn, your spirits must be lifted as we celebrate together and we sing of, of uh, what our faith is and what those who have gone before us have blessed us with by giving us a sense of that heritage of faith and love and helped us understand the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're glad that you're here today, that you're here in worship with us, and whether you're a member or a guest, we want to welcome you today, and we want to have also just a um, record of your attendance with us, if you would. There's a notebook at the end of each pew, and if you'll just write your name there and uh, any other information you would be willing to share with us, we would appreciate it. Southside Baptist Church is a church in the heart of Five Point South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is reaching out to those in our community, to those not only in this community, but in the surrounding areas and even around the world. And, and we trust that today, as you come into this place, that you've been warmly received and that you'll give us a chance to extend that even more so as our service progresses. One thing that we do recognize is the presence of Christ with us here. And we also want to pass the peace of Christ to one another to welcome each other and to greet each other in the name of Christ. So if you would, please do that now. To those close by you, just um, stand up and make your way to them and just say, may the peace of Christ be with you. It is a good time to be in worship together, and as we come together, I, I was noted at our, our gathering this morning that I should spend more time, uh, I think, Clay, I'm taking this for, for uh, uh, serious uh, thought of uh, more explanation of hymns. I won't do that now, just off the cuff, though I will make note that uh, the Scottish Psalter uh, here was done without thought of our, our beloved Ken, but uh, also in his honor and those who've gone before us, you notice the introit and the, uh, uh, the benediction are both from the Scottish Psalter of 1615. All of our texts are related to All Saints Day, that is the, the celebration of those who've gone before us in All Souls uh, uh, Day this past week, and this uh, we wear white today uh, as a result of all of those uh, issues and so uh, though these are symbols uh, they are a way for us to come together and to honor those uh, great saints and our own personal great saints each person here I believe I certainly have those that are sainted uh, in my life that have gone before and uh, may we begin now before we sing our next hymn with a word of prayer as we uh, invoke the name of the Lord with that thought in mind of those saints gone before us. Our dear Jesus and Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, you've made us, you've bought us, 
which is your love and your thought and your help through the grace of your, your spirit and love as demonstrated in those who have been with us, who are not with us in this earthly realm, but are with us in our hearts, in our minds, and in what we do when we pattern our lives after those that have shown us good ways, the best way being that of your blessed Son. As we come to sing and to pray and to, to hear the word this hour, may we bear that in mind so that we may go out into the world in great need, that we may bear witness to those words and thoughts and prayers and your grace. And we pray it in the name of that one who is all loving, all gracious. Lord, speak to me that I may speak. May we stand as we sing. Our first scripture reading today is found in Psalm the ninth, 19, verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Here ends our first scripture lesson today.
second reading is from the Gospel of Mark in the eighth chapter, reading verses 27 through 38. In honor of the words of Jesus, if you're able, please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. seated. Good morning. You know, I, I'm not sure that everyone, Martine, come back up here. Jack, come up here. Martine, you know, I don't know if everyone knows your names. I want you to tell me your names. What's your name? Martine Schneider, the ultimate screwdriver. Uh, Jack, okay. Jonathan. Millicent. Abigail. Abigail. You know, these are our, our uh, the five of these are here almost every week. They're here all the time. And, um, you know, there are people that bring you here, right? There are individuals that make sure that you get here and that you, uh, you do? Well, I'll remind your granddad of that the next time you, you say that, okay? Because <laughs> I think he is the one that comes and picks you up and makes sure that you get here and, and all, the, all the rest. I wanted to show, some, show you something today because... I talked about, well, there might be something here for you, but I think Jack said he was going to bring something back since he had such a great trick-or-treat, uh, time trick-or-treating that he had can did you? Well, this is a picture. Who do you think might, this might be? Yeah, who is that? Yeah, it's my whole family. It's my family. That's my, that's Dawn and Anna and Nathan, my son, and of course it's me. So those are all 
all my family. Now, you have family members too, right? That bring, some that bring you. And we also have all these people that are here. Look out there at all the folks here. We talked about this a little last week, but we're all part of a family of faith. We all think about who we are related to one another. And every week when I look out and I see some of you or I think about you during the week um, and I think about the questions that some people ask me during the week about various different things, Joe, and different things that come, come my way, uh, I'm always reminded of the, the blessings we have of being family, of being related to one another because of our faith. Today we're going to celebrate communion. And you have the same mom and dad. That's more important. Uh, today we're going to celebrate communion. And communion is a, a way that we acknowledge in a, in a uh, very distinct way, very visible way, that we're part of family. And we remember, Jack, come sit down here. Come sit right here. Yeah, come sit right here. All right, come right here. So I need, I need you to get close to me to help me. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion. And communion is that way that we, when we come to the table, we come to a table that is prepared by Jesus, but also is reminded that we celebrate and observe that with everybody else that's here, but also even those that have gone before, people that might not even be a, be alive today, that they're part of our family. We all have people like that that are part of our, our family. That may be, I'm sure that that is the case when we think about what heaven is like, okay? But what we need to, we also need to think about this, that as we celebrate, Jack, when we come to the table, we do so at a, with, with a sense of reverence before Christ, but also to remind us that we're forever, forever connected to one another. Now, all of the folks that you see here, we're forever connected to them because we all have faith in Jesus the Christ, and we celebrate that today. And so just as you have family, and I have my immediate family, and uh, somebody that were here Wednesday night saw some of my brothers that they could really tell were my brothers because we look so much alike. You do too. And then you have an extended family too. So we want to give thanks for our family, our families of our biological families, our family that our mom, dads, and, and others, our grandparents, aunts and uncles, brothers, sisters, all those that we're related to, but also those who have helped us as we have learned about who Jesus is and, and what our faith means, okay? So let's offer a prayer. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for the blessings we have, the blessings of children, the blessings of family relations, the fact that we know that we are all related to one another through you. We ask, oh Lord, that you would bless these gathered here and that we would all remember the many that we have are connected to, those who've gone before, those who walk with us now, as we celebrate communion today, in Christ's name, amen. I think I got something. Normally on this Sunday of the year, we read the names of those of our own congregation who have passed into the presence of God. 
and an unusual year because we have not lost anybody, any member of our congregation in this past year. That doesn't mean to say that there are not people here who have lost loved ones, friends, and we remember them on this All Saints Day as we come into God's presence to give thanks for their life and to give thanks for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Eternal God, in every age you have summoned women and men who serve you. We bless you for Paul and Peter, for Mary and Martha, for Augustine and Teresa, for Columba, Patrick, Margaret, for all the saints of history in heaven, for those whom we have met and loved here on this earth who have helped us in our journey of faith and hope and love. As they enjoy the company of heaven, inspire us by their example that we might come ever closer to Christ. For all the saints who form their labors rest, to thee my faith before the world confessed, Thy name of Jesus be forever blessed. Alleluia. Alleluia. God of inclusive grace, we thank you for calling each of us into the company of those who trust in you and seek to obey your will. You have made us strangers no longer, but pilgrims together on the way to your eternal kingdom. Guide us closer to you and to one another so that in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, we may be strengthened together in mission and service to your world. We pray for those who are not yet part of your church and for those who have left it, asking your spirit to enable all to know of your love for them in Jesus our Savior. God of peace and justice, we pray for millions in our world today who go hungry we pray for all who are exploited in one way or another, marginalized because of caste, class, gender, color, sexuality. We pray that they may not lose hope, may find the strength to struggle for their dignity, and we struggle with them for their dignity. We pray for those who are refugees around the world who have no home, that in the midst of tears and bitterness may they discern your love and grace. Father God, we pray for all who are lonely today. We mention in our hearts those we know who are isolated from friends and family for one reason or another. We pray for those who may be sad, depressed and anxious. We pray for all who fear what the future holds, for those who fear even death itself. May they recognize the hope in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. O bless communion, fellowship divine. We feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia. Alleluia. Hear all our prayers. As we pray, the words our Savior taught us to pray with confidence, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
story that we read from Mark's gospel this morning is so important that all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell it in their own individual way, but it seems to be one of the pivotal texts within the New Testament in terms of trying to understand who Jesus was and what the nature of his coming into this earth was all about and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's a lot going on here. We're learning something about the disciples, but we're learning a lot about what it means to be a follower of Jesus ourselves and why we are followers. Exactly who is Jesus? As I say, the text is crucial to understand. It all happens in an area of northern Palestine, in a lovely hilly rural area, as it was known in the Roman Empire. People are attracted to Jesus because of his teaching, his healing, and probably just the kind of person that he was. And the stories leading up to this story kind of indicate in Mark's gospel, certainly, that the disciples are still a little unsure as to who Jesus is. Uh, In chapter 4, Mark has them actually saying to one another, who is this? And then in chapter 6, they mistake Jesus for being a ghost. So they're not absolutely clear about who he is. Perhaps he's an itinerant rabbi. He seems to enjoy an enormous following, and they're being caught up in the excitement of the moment. And then suddenly, he asks them a couple of questions. He says, who do people round about say that I am? And of course, they give him the answers. And then he makes it much more personal. He says, and who do you say that I am? Some years ago, the author Kathleen Norris said about writing a poem about this incident. And she says that whenever she hears Jesus asking the question of the disciples, who do you say that I am? I try to imagine how I would answer it myself. And she says, I'm not ready to say I'm sure. I'm still working on it. Well, Peter is not reticent at all. In his own inimitable way, Peter blurts out what appears to be obvious to those of us now looking back, but he says something that is radical in the setting of where he says it. He says, you are the Messiah, the Christ. And Matthew's gospel has the son of the living God, the heart of the Christian faith. But then Jesus pivots around and immediately discusses how he, the Messiah, the son of man, must suffer and die and be raised on the third day. No wonder Peter literally lays into Jesus in verse 32, suffering, rejection, being killed. I'm having nothing of that. I didn't sign on for that kind of message. Peter gets the title right, but he gets the meaning of the title wrong. I mean, Peter knew, and surely everybody knows, that God's Messiah will smash the Roman armies and make Israel great again. A suffering and dying Messiah is an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms. It's a good thing pieces around to set Jesus right about what it means to be Messiah. And it's all happening in Caesarea Philippi. It's about as far north in Israel as you can get. 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, about 125 miles north of Jerusalem. It's been a place where armies have been beaten, where victories have been won, where 
Antiochus the Great defeated the Egyptians and gave Israel to the Seleucid Empire. So it's a place where honor and victory has been known. And so it's a good place to declare that Jesus is Messiah and he's going to lead the armies of Israel in triumph. And Jesus says, not so quick, my boy, not so quick. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to go the pathway that I go to the cross. It's remarkable the way in which Jesus doesn't in any way hold back in the message about what it means to be a disciple, a follower. It's not easy to be a Christian. Following me, Jesus says, is taking up your cross. Now, difficult for us to see the stark reality of what Jesus is saying here because we've never seen anybody crucified, literally. But crosses in the Roman Empire were everywhere. Uh, crosses were used to execute the worst sort of criminal, rebels, slaves, the scum of the earth. And Jesus is saying, and that's the way I'm going, and that's what I'm calling you to be also. Faith in following Jesus is not easy. Faith in following Jesus comes from the very depths of our heart. It's not just a matter of the mind. Marcus Borg said in one of his books, in the Bible and Christian tradition, the heart is a metaphor for the deep level of self, a level below our thinking, feeling, willing. Our heart is deeper than our head. But it's when our heart catches up with our heads in terms of understanding who Jesus is and what he's calling us to do that we recognize what the heart of Christianity is about. It's following Jesus, counting the cost, but still being willing to go forward. It's the invitation to hear what Jesus is saying in a whole variety of different areas. It's the invitation to realize that it's more blessed to give than to receive, that you receive your life when you give it away. It's an invitation to trust him when he says that he is merciful and kind, that forgiveness and reconciliation are real for us, and when we've got to reconcile ourselves to each other. It's the invitation to give our hearts to him and our lives to him when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, and, and oh, by the way, the meek will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. Not the armies, the meek. And that's the way of discipleship. We only do that when we really have discovered who Jesus is. When we really have been captivated by him. When our hearts are in love with him and our minds are ready to believe him. Rabbi John Duncan was a Hebrew professor, Semitic professor. He had a variety of different ancient languages, ancient Near Eastern languages that he knew and taught in the University of Edinburgh in the 19th century. The story is told of how one of his students decided to kind of listen at the point where he was known to spend time in prayer in his office and see if he prayed in Arabic or prayed in Hebrew. And what they discovered was that they heard him and they heard him use the words of one of our loveliest of hymns, Fairest Lord Jesus, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. When we know that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's the Messiah who offers himself for our sake and for our salvation, and he goes to the cross for us, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might receive the gift of eternal life, then we begin to follow him. 
then we begin to listen when he says, and if you want to be my disciple, take up my cross and follow me. But what on earth does it mean to take up a cross? Well, in the first century, it literally meant that you were going to die. <laughs> you were certainly going to die to your own life. You were going to die to yourself. You were going to make yourself no longer the center, but you were going to make Christ the very heart of what it was all about. Jesus is not saying that suffering in itself is good. Sometimes this text has been used in that way, sometimes to oppress people, sometimes to make people feel bad and guilty about the fact that they suffer. But suffering, there's not, there's not a good thing about suffering per se. C-3PO, for all Star Wars fans, says at one point, we, droids, we seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. Not so for the follower of Jesus. This is not the kind of suffering that Jesus is talking about, the kind of suffering that happens to everyone. This is a specific taking up the cross and dying to self and to follow him. What is it we remember most about All Saints Day? Well, each of us will remember different people. Some will have been members of our family, our mothers, our fathers. Some will remember the people who brought us to faith. Some will remember those who were very significant in our spiritual pilgrimage. In one way or another, we remember those who have gone ahead of us. On this All Saints Day, we, we ask ourselves, what was it that set them apart? It wasn't they were perfect, but there was something about their life of integrity that had an impact upon the way in which we have lived our lives as well. They're part of that great cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on, <laughs> urging us on to follow Jesus Christ. And when Jesus says to us this morning, who do you say that I am? And we say, well, you're the Savior, you're the Son of God, you're my Lord, you're my friend. He's asking us also to hear the call to discipleship within our lives. Discipleship means to lose our lives, not to save or to hoard them but to lose them for his sake. Discipleship means to give for some great cause that will make life different for people who are struggling and make the world a better place. Discipleship means to give so that the most vulnerable will be cared for, the hungry fed, the naked clothed, the homeless sheltered. Does it all seem a bit beyond our imagination, beyond our hope? Well, sometimes it does, but that's what Christianity is about. It's a message of hope, not just hope for the future, not just that we will one day be with those that we love in the eternal kingdom. It's a hope that encourages us to believe that the future, the kingdom of God can come more and more now. That's why we pray every Sunday, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, says Jesus, will save it. Thomas Akempis expressed it this way, many love Jesus as long as nothing runs counter to them. Many praise and bless him as long as they receive comfort from him. This call of discipleship is not a tedious detour. It's the main way on the journey to heaven. So here we come to hear the words of Jesus. 
Here we come this morning to receive comfort, to receive the comfort of the grace of God as we come to take communion. But can I encourage you this morning as you come, as you hear the word said to you, the body and blood of Christ, that behind them you hear Jesus not only comforting, but disturbing another sense of comfort, disturbing our life so that we hear his call and we gladly, willingly give our lives to serve him. Who do you say that I am? Will you pray with me? God of grace, God of mercy, God of Calvary, we express our love and our devotion to you this morning for all that you have done and will do in our lives. And we ask for grace to follow you as your disciples. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We invite each one to come this morning to receive communion. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we will be at each of the end of the, the aisles with waivers and with uh, communion cups. We invite you to come and take a waiver and dip it in the cup and return to your seat. This table is a table for all, young and old, member and visitor. We invite you to share in this gospel feast.
close our service this morning by singing the hymn 566, O God, our help in ages past. with me. Eternal God, loving God, creator God, here today we rejoice in our knowledge of you, your love for us, your sacrifice for us. Our response is to attempt to know you better and more fully as our Messiah. We herewith offer our love in return. Sustain us, Lord, grow your church, spread your word. We offer this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
loving and almighty God, receive these our tithes and offerings. Bless them, multiply them, and may they be used to carry forth the good news, the good news of your love, mercy, and grace, both in this community and beyond. In your name I pray. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, please. Just a couple of things to announce this week as we have uh, events coming up, some uh, meetings this afternoon right after worship. But I want to take just a moment to put in a plug for a Bible study both on Wednesday evening that Dr. Roxborough provides for us each week and then also on Sunday morning. It's more than just a time to come and study in a class of uh, peers about uh, God's Word, but it's also a great time of fellowship as we meet together and we talk and we discuss what not only the, the Word means um, as it was written and seek to understand that, but also what it means to us today as we try to, to live and to take up our cross daily and to follow. So I hope that you'll come and, and participate and be a part of those opportunities in the coming days. We have started a new uh, focus for this month, and we mentioned that earlier, but it's on family. And this was a great day to have as a first Sunday because we think about that family that's extended beyond just the, the scope of our individual families of origin, but also those that we're related to by our faith, those that we love and we care for, we, we pray for each week. And so remember that we have a large family, both of people that have gone before us, but also people that we are concerned for each day and as they go about their duties. I did want to make one um, uh, announcement too before we go, and that is that a part of our family also, we have people that get recognized in various ways, and one that we need to recognize and pray for is Valerie Abbott. Valerie was uh, elected as president of the, of the city council, and she needs our prayers. So remember her and uh, pray for her as she is there. That's a being, elect, being elected by your peers of the council to be there. That's, uh, that's quite an honor, a dubious honor perhaps at times, but still it's an honor, and we're glad that, that, glad that, that you're a part of who we are. As we prepare to go out, would you stand? And Dr. Roxburgh is going to come and provide the benediction. But remember, as we go out, we go answering the call to follow Christ, the one who has called us to take up our cross and follow him. Receive these words in a blessing of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen.